into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. On today's episode, we're going to break down the Wildcats' big-time win over Arkansas on Saturday, and then preview the SEC tournament this weekend down in Nashville. We'll start with the Cats' win down in Fayetteville as they beat the Razorbacks by a final score of 88-79. to You could tell from the tip-off there was a different energy in the building and that the stakes had been raised. Elbows were flying, technical fouls were called, someone got tossed. So basically, a normal trip for Kentucky in Bud Walton Arena. What wasn't normal was the fact that Cason Wallace sat on the end of the bench in street clothes due to his ankle injury suffered against Vanderbilt. The Wildcats went point guard by committee as they relied mostly on Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves to handle Cason's duties. The two of them stepped up in a big way alongside Oscar Shibway in order to navigate through some really rough waters on Saturday. Sam, what impressed you most about those three guys? And then what did you think of the key roles played by Chris Livingston, CJ Frederick, Adu Thiero, Lance Ware, and Damian Collins? Yeah, I mean, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. It was a heck of a Saturday afternoon down at Bud Walton, AJ, for the Kentucky Wildcats as they grab yet another quad one victory and and do it in a resounding fashion, AJ. I mean, thanks to the College Game Day crew, who all unanimously unanimously picked Arkansas to win that game, AJ, uh, for a little jinx and uh, good luck charm and, and edge on our side, AJ, to, to maybe get us to feel even more motivated. But, I mean, I was just uh, impressed more so than any point in this season, AJ, with the approach that the Kentucky Wildcats went into Bud Walton with. I mean, they had no fear in them, knew the game plan, and I honestly think, AJ, that was the most highly executed game plan to date for the Kentucky Wildcats, AJ. I think John Calipari had, I mean, he, he had a, he had the quote saying, you know, after the game, look, undermanned, only had a day to prepare for them to flip around and be in the mindset that they were and was amazing to me. Made me feel good about this group. And, I mean, that's exactly what I'm taking away from this game, AJ. I mean, undermanned, felt like we were bleeding out, felt like a game where me and you previewed. I mean, we could do the right things and we could keep it close, but it wasn't that, AJ. It was Kentucky-led for 35 minutes of the game and did it in a 
strong fashion, AJ. It started on the shoulders of Oscar Sheway. I loved what John Calipari implemented as he was our pressure release. I mean, we knew it. We weren't going to have a true point guard, AJ. You already mentioned it. Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves were called on as our primary ball handlers. You knew that Arkansas was going to try to start the game and throw the kitchen sink at us with their pressure and try to disrupt us early and break our confidence as far as turnovers go. You know what we did? We got the ball into Jake, or I mean to Oscar Sheboy AJ, and he dominated early. Finished the first half with twelve points and nine, twelve points, nine rebounds, and really was that pressure release for the entirety of the first half. All while doing so, obviously. You mentioned it, but we had contributors left and right. Every single person that stepped on the court for the Kentucky Wildcats, AJ, recorded a stat. They all contributed. They knew that that's what was going to have to happen. It was an entire collective team effort and unified front. And and honestly, I don't think I can put my finger on a single other game this year, AJ, where that actually happened. It, It was an incredible opportunity for the Kentucky Wildcats for a game that felt like you could do no wrong, AJ. You you lose in Bud Walton on the road against, you know, a, a top team in the country. You were undermanned. You're not going to get scrutinized for it other than the fact that you had a two-loss week. The Kentucky Wildcats go one and one, and they do it with their backs against the wall with nothing to lose. And I know for a fact, AJ, that is when the Kentucky Wildcats are at their best, but thinking back and and looking at the game, AJ, all I could think about was it was really a blast from the past. I mean, I was thinking back because it it felt reminiscent. We've talked about some of the injuries Kentucky has had to overcome in years past, and I kept thinking about it. Late in the season, AJ, to end the 2020 year, Ashton Hagens goes down after a terrible loss to a very poor Tennessee team at home. We then have to go on the road without Ashton Hagens against a good Florida team. And you know who stood up for us that game, AJ? It was Emmanuel Clickley. And that was his coming out party as a primary ball handler. And how poetic is it that on the very same night that Antonio Reeves goes off, he goes off for his career high in the NBA as a Nick with 38 points, AJ. One more than what Antonio Reeves put up. Antonio Reeves, I mean... He was phenomenal, AJ. He showed what you mentioned the other day, why he is one of the top scorers in all of the NCAA, AJ. With the ball in his hands, he can be so special. And I think it's a a great problem for John Calipari to have late in the season to find ways to ensure that Antonio Reeves has the ball in his hands. Whether he's not the point guard or he is, AJ, He needs to have opportunities to be the primary ball handler. Kaysom Wallace has proved that he can work off ball. That's where he also is comfortable. I think you found a very elite dynamic duo in the backcourt with those two, AJ, working in tandem. But, I mean, Antonio Reeves, that was his solidifying sixth man of the year performance. I mean, congratulations. He officially wins SEC sixth man of the year. It's co awarded award this year unfortunately but it doesn't make sense to me but he is for sure the sixth man of the year in the sec aj 37 points 12 for 17 from the field two for four from three-point range and knocks down 11 for 11 free throws 
played all 40 minutes, AJ. But there's the other names that we have to bring up that you already mentioned. I mean, Jacob Toppin, I am labeling this game, AJ, as Jacob Toppin's NBA resume game. He just showed to the entire country, to all these NBA scouts here in a couple of months, go watch him play at Arkansas, and that is an NBA talent, AJ. I mean, 21 points, six for nine from the field, two for three from three point with that step back dagger towards the end of the game, AJ. He was calm, cool, and collected. We threw him into a scenario where he had to be a point guard. At, At his size, AJ, that's unbelievable. He stayed collected. He was incredible, added four rebounds and three assists. I mean, that was easily the best performance I've seen Jacob Toppin since transferring into Kentucky. Extremely proud of him. He's had his highs and lows. He was the first person to admit after the Vandy loss, AJ, that that was on me. You know what, Jacob? This win, that's on you. Okay, so if you're going to wear the losses, then wear the wins because that was an incredible and gutsy performance. And if we want to talk about guts, it's a guy you already mentioned, AJ. But I have two. One, C.J. Frederick. No, he didn't really produce anything. But A.J., he gave us critical minutes despite being hurt. He was advised by the staff to not play, by the medical staff. They said, I would not advise you to play. John Calipari had to go to C.J. and say, hey, are you good to go? C.J. said, absolutely, I will give you everything I have. Guys, he has a cracked rib. He's having trouble breathing, running, anything. And the guy got elbowed during the Vandy game and should not have played. And he gave us those critical minutes because without it, AJ, Antonio Reeves doesn't do what he does. Jacob Toppin doesn't do what he does. And we're gassed and we're asking way too much of a Dutiero for that game, AJ. So what he did for this Kentucky Wildcats team was incredible and cannot go unnoticed. And the next person, you kind of mentioned him, AJ, was Damian Collins. AJ, he, he gets in there, and that's pro- probably one of the most efficient and fastest foul outs I've ever seen. I mean, the guy got in there and just hacked everyone, but he did the job that we couldn't allow others to do like Oscar Sheway. And I know he fouls out, AJ. I know Oscar fouls out, but it would have happened much sooner had we had to play him all 40 minutes. So you know, Lance Ware gets in there and gives us critical minutes and gets us a, a put-back dunk, AJ. And I mean, you got to mention those guys because without it, I'm telling you, we were asking too much of some of these guys, and everyone stepped up. Chris Livingston doesn't have his best night, grabs nine rebounds, AJ, and takes some of that burden off of Oscar Sheboy, who was getting bullied down low. And you saw his temper break, and he already addressed it. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen again, but we definitely dodged a bullet. But I'm not going to say more because I'm not going to admit it. But we dodged a bullet, AJ. But that was a close one. I mean, when we, when we look back, AJ, at Antonio Reeves' performance, it's going to be as one of the best performances under the John Calipari era. We look at Malik Monk, who had 47. We look at De'Aaron Fox, who had 39. The next two, two highest come from this team, AJ, with Antonio Reeves with 37 and Oscar Sheboy with 37. But, I I mean, just a gutsy and tough performance for the Kentucky Wildcats really made me think and start looking at some of our numbers, AJ. I mean, we've been talking about this offense being, like, not something we have to worry about, right? So I went back, AJ, and since January 14th, 
The Kentucky Wildcats are 10-4 and four overall. They're 9-3 and three in SEC play. And in that stretch, Jacob Toppin, AJ, has averaged 12.9 points, so 13 points, 7.5 rebounds, and he's shooting 50% from three. His elevation, AJ, has been why the Kentucky Wildcats offensively have been such a dynamic team, AJ, because that that pressure he's applying to the defense opens up the liberty and opportunity for guys like Antonio Reeves to now get more room and get more space and have Oscar Shibway have more space to operate. I know that other guys are putting up higher numbers, AJ, but Jacob Toppin's development and growth the last month is last two months has been the direct correlation and I got to give that man a shout out because he has really manned up stepped up and been just this rock AJ this rock for the Kentucky Wildcats offense he's growing up right in front of our eyes and it's been a lot of fun to witness but look the last thing I'll say AJ is I'm actually really disappointed in Eric Musselman for the way that he he coached and and played this game, AJ. I mean, one for starter, I don't like his game plan. I, I mean, he he got on and said the same thing Calipari said. You know, we we gotta have to throw the last game out because both teams are extremely different. But at the same time, AJ, if you're Eric Musselman, you got a team that dominated UK and did it in a resounding fashion in that second half to where. You still have those same guys, AJ, and you've actually deepened your depth in your roster with obtaining Nick Smith Jr. back. So, in my opinion, I don't like the way that he tried to change their DNA for this game. They really tried to muck it up and be the most physical team out there, and that's right up our alley, AJ. I know that we're beat up and and we're injured and we're we're shorthanded. But that's how we wanted to do it, AJ. And I mean, for a, a game that seemed like Eric Musselman wanted it to be a rock fight, we went out and scored 88 points. And then the next thing I'll say, AJ, and that's my last point, is just that man showed he had no composure. It looked like he was so desperate to beat John Calipari at home. A, a guy, AJ, who was three of four in his last matchups against UK and John Calipari seemed like he needed this one more than any of the wins he's ever gotten over Calipari. And it showed in his composure and in his just approach to the game and, and his team fed off that energy. I mean, I have never seen a team, AJ, act so immature after every single foul. They lost their composure after every single little ticky-tack foul. And it really took their attention away from the game and the battle at hand against the Kentucky Wildcats. AJ, I'm serious. Like, Devontae Davis getting thrown out was pitiful. That's a poor coaching decision by Eric Musselman to not immediately take him out in that scenario. You saw his emotions running high. Take him out. There was never a scenario where he wasn't at least going to get some kind of technical or a foul for a retaliation because you could see his blood was boiling over. And Antonio Reeves stays calm, cool, and collected, beats him fair and square, very next time down, hits another mid-range jump shot, proving all of UK fans that are saying, stop with the long two, stop with the mid-range game. You know what? Calipari said, hey, watch this. I'm absolutely cooking. 
So, AJ, that, that's my main takeaways. But I, I got to ask, I know I asked a similar question not too long ago when the Kentucky Wildcats dominated Auburn on their home court. But you got to tell me, is this the Kentucky Wildcats' most impressive win this season? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's it's just it's a different atmosphere in there. They had lost two games in a row, and they're they're really fighting for their season. Um, they already beat you on your home court, like you said, with a resounding second half where they just really um, were the better team. And so for Kentucky to go on the road without Case and Wallace and for them to play the way they did, I mean, I think that just speaks volumes to who they are as a basketball team right now. You know, I mean, hey, it may, it may, it may have taken 30 games to get to this point, but going into the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, Kentucky just put their best win on their resume, in my opinion. And so that's exactly what you want at this time of year. You can't really ask for anything different, Sam. And I mean, there's so much to say, but I mean, I got to start with just saying the fact that what a win, what a, what a gutsy performance. I just echo what you just said. I mean, unbelievable grit from this team um quick turnaround travel on the road to get that job done um really just beautiful and i thought it all started with what you have already talked about sam but that was the execution of the scouting report and this is the best kentucky has done all season with execution on their scouting report maybe it was just because they're down a guy in it so everyone's got to be that much more locked into what they're doing um but really impressive when you talk about executing the game plan the scouting report and what the coaches are asking of you sam all night long going under screens allowing low percentage three-point shooters of arkansas to take perimeter jump shots packing in the paint and not allowing those guards to get downhill and attack the basket um, and get easy layups playing through the ball pressure that Arkansas throws at you. We talked about that in our preview, and without a point guard, you knew that's what they were going to do. And Sam, you picked up on something, but really early on in the game, what we did was we would come down, we'd get the ball over half court. If they came to trap or put any sort of pressure, Shibway flashed to the high post three-point line area. He catches, he turns, and looks at the basket, and it really just kind of opened things up and, and was that, like you said, that pressure release and so then they had to start to think twice about doing that. They started to try to trap us and get a little gimmicky and stuff like that. And we really had a nice game plan for how we were going to combat that with letting Jacob bring the ball up a lot of the times and then getting over half court and finding the release right away. Guys who aren't traditional ball handlers but can handle the ball would sprint up the court and get up to the half court and then get the ball in, in Antonio Reeves's hand at the top to initiate the offense, things like that, which were of extreme importance in this game, Sam, and they, and they did it very, very well um, in this game. Another thing you got to say about Kentucky is they weathered the storm early on in the game, and I would say they weathered every storm throughout the game, but early on it was a little tight, Sam. Nobody was really gaining much separation. And listen, Arkansas had a ton of dunks. I mean, some of them were kind of fluky plays where the ball bounces their way and then easy dunk and things of that nature, but we could have easily kind of packed it in or just let the crowd be too much, and Kentucky continued 
to just weather those storms, Sam. You kind of already brought it up. Sheboy was a little bit lucky um, that he stayed in that game. I mean, looking like DeMarcus Cousins out there with some of those elbows, Sam. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But listen, he stayed in the game. It's all that mattered. He he gained his regained his composure after that, and he continued right. to play. And so, um, a big part of this game, I thought, was Mikael Mitchell. He went out early on with two fouls in the first half. Didn't really play much in the first half. Pick up a third foul. 30 seconds into the second half, so he was really in and out of the lineup all night. Sam, they really couldn't get that that down low presence uh, both on offense and on defense really started to allow Oscar more room to work in the paint allowing Jacob to get to the basket um Chris and Jacob and and Oscar crashing the offensive boards so I thought that was a really big part of the game was was him being out for um quite some time I mean listen Arkansas they did most of their damage in transition, broken down plays, things of that nature. They had some dunks early on, Sam, but our defense, especially in the half court, I thought was just unbelievably exceptional. I mean, when you look at their half court offense, we were stopping them on more possessions than they were scoring, and that was obvious to see. They were getting a lot of it going in in other directions and things of that nature. So I thought the half court defense by Kentucky, the transition defense could be a bit, a little bit better, but there were times in the game where they did get stops in transition and forced Arkansas to pull the ball back out, try to set up their half court offense where they really struggled throughout the game. Um, Sam, it was still close at halftime. I thought Kentucky did a really good job of separating early in that second half and really kind of putting their foot down and taking control of that game, and that kind of was what propelled them down the stretch of the game. And listen, ultimately at the end of the day, here's what I saw transpire. Arkansas, they tried to punk us, and you said it, Sam, it was a mistake by Eric Musselman, and you saw it on full display on Saturday. He let the emotion in the moment get to him, and, and he allowed it to affect how he coached, his emotions on the sideline, and his team is going to follow him. You're going to follow your leader and pick up on, on the way that they feel, and that's going to trickle down to the players. Sure, does Calipari get upset at times? Yes, but... He was calm, cool, collected, making proper decisions within the game. And so I thought Kentucky really just did not allow Arkansas to punk them at any point. They continued to weather the storms. They continued to be the more physically dominant team all game long. And even though they were the ones who tried to punk us, ultimately we were the ones who physically wore them down throughout the game. Sam, Kentucky only shot 28% from three, only making four of them. We still scored 88 points in this game. I mean, granted, we go 26 of 33 from the free throw line, 78.8%. I mean, that is amazing, unbelievable. But still, Kentucky was able to score a lot of points without having to rely on that three-point shot. So, you know, Knights, it's going to be rolling down, and it's, they're going to be knocking them down. That's just going to add to their game. But you're kind of seeing the evolution of this offense and, and what it's capable of, and it, it's now been a, a, a consistent thing going on um, for this basketball team. And 
couple last things I'll, I'll I'll point out about this game, Sam. You know, we found ourselves in foul trouble, and that's the we talked about that. That was not something we really could do, but we found a way to f- survive, Sam. I mean, Oscar fouled out, Damian Collins fouled out, Reeves and Livingston both had four fouls, Toppin and Ware both had three fouls. So. And it's not like you just had a, a large bench to go pick and choose from. <laughs> like they, hey man, it. I, I guess they took the mentality they don't roll over, so use them. <laughs> exactly, and so they, they survived through it, Sam, and they made it work, and they, they got through it regardless of things not going their way. And I again, I think that just goes to the mentality and who this team is at this point in the season. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about. Those big three of ours, Jacob Toppin, unbelievable game. I mean, really, Sam, that was something we talked about in the preview to the season was unlocking Jacob Toppin, and he's going to take us into a level where we think we can win a championship. He has been that player for a long stretch of the season now. I mean, really, just playing well, stepping up for us. I thought he played unbelievably on Saturday and really – was that was a leadership moment for him. I will be the guy who will do this thing. I know guys will come along with me, but I personally will be somebody who's going to show up and fight like hell in this game. And he did that. And then Sam Oscar Shibway again, just continues to be a beast. I have to point out he was awarded first team unanimous, all sec. Not that that came comes as a surprise to anybody, but again, just the, continued dominance throughout the season and in a big moment it seems that he always finds a way to play some of his best basketball he did it again down in Fayetteville and then Antonio Reeves I mean good lord Sam even the announcers now are calling him a certified flamethrower I mean he's that guy he isn't an elite scorer. You saw it on full display. He only hit two threes in the game. He scores 37 points. He goes 11 for 11 from the free throw line, shoots 12 of 17, broke breaking guys down off the dribble. The mid-range game is so pure. He is so crafty now, getting to the basket, finishing with the left and right hand. I mean, Sam, this guy is just maturing right in front of our eyes and really blossoming right at the right time. So, I mean, I just don't think there's enough good things you can say about this win, Sam. I mean, despite some things going wrong within the game, the Cats were the ones who kept their composure. The Cats are the one who made winning plays throughout the course of the game, and they were the ones who walked out with the victory on the road. And so... You can't really ask for much more. A great way to kind of bounce back from that tough Vanderbilt loss on your own home court on senior night. And so here we are, Sam. It feels like it flew by, but the regular season now, my friend, it's over. And the SEC tournament is going to start on Wednesday night. Luckily, Kentucky did enough, Kentucky did enough so they will not have to play on Wednesday or Thursday. Their first game will actually be Friday night. So, Sam, before we get into the SEC tournament and preview this thing, why don't you fill the listeners in? Where are the Cats right now, today, in the eyes of, I guess, the NCAA tournament committee? And where's the wiggle room, or, or what are we looking at as we head down the home stretch? Yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely do need to do some resident 
resume updating for all of our listeners, AJ. So I'm glad you, you segued us there. I mean, regular season is done. We enter postseason play. Um, and, you know, they're definitely going the, – the committee is definitely going to look at your first resume versus your almost updated resume, AJ, with some postseason experience, if you will. But, you know, it, it's, it's quite impressive, AJ. I mean, despite starting the season 0-3 in our first three true road games – the Kentucky Wildcats in their next seven road games go six and one. So road games play a lot to do with how you evaluate a team's performance. AJ, much more important than defending home court, if you will. Um, although that's still extremely important. But I mean, AJ, we remain in the top 25 at number 23 as we go one and one this past week. So obviously the committee um, looks at the loss to Vandy and then says, okay, they, they rectified their wrongs by getting a much-needed win down in Fayetteville, AJ. Our best wins to, to season would have to be at Tennessee, at home versus Tennessee, at home versus Texas A&M, and then on the road now against Arkansas. AJ obviously sprinkled in with some other impressive wins, but um, you know, just to go off of there, you know, those are definitely our, our top four W's. Thanks to Tennessee for letting us uh, sweep them. That was uh, that was fun. Always a good time. Um, what's going to hurt us, AJ, is, is no non-conference notable wins. I mean, it would have loved to add a Michigan State to that resume, a, a UCLA, a um, Gonzaga, but obviously not a able to obtain one of those notable wins our most notable non-conference win aj is u of m and the wolverines they currently sit as the number 53 team in the overall net in the ncaa rankings aj so since that is a neutral court game if they somehow string together maybe a couple of wins in this big 10 tournament here in chicago aj they could very well pop into the top 50 what that would do for the Kentucky Wildcats is add yet another quad one victory, AJ. So that would be a notable non-conference victory for the Kentucky Wildcats resume come the NCAA tournament selection Sunday. So unfortunately, AJ, I know it's probably painful for you and I, but we're going to have to also root on a different color of blue. And that's the maize and blue this upcoming weekend, AJ. And then other than that, hopefully Auburn is able to, to string together maybe a win or two, in the SEC tournament, they are in the net number 32 in the country, AJ. So if they pop inside the top 30, that home win would pop into another quad one victory. So to update y'all as of right now, Kentucky's resume in the quadrant victories is quad one. We are six and seven. All of a sudden we could wake up a week from now, AJ, without playing a game and be eight and seven and be above 500, AJ. That is definitely worth the note, AJ, I, I've got to also mention it. Now, even without those two potential quad one victories, or six and seven, there's only 12 teams in all of college basketball that have more quad one victories than the Kentucky Wildcats. That, my friends, is a good thing to put on your resume. In quad two, we're six and oh, AJ. Quad three, three and two. And quad four, six and one. Overall, as of right now, AJ, today, what the committee looks at is we're number 19 in the net, we're number 21 in Kimpom with the number 14 overall offense, and AJ, the best little nugget that the committee gets to walk away with is since February 11th, the Kentucky Wildcats are the number five team in the country. 
in the country, AJ. So the best ball has been played by the Kentucky Wildcats as of late. I'm telling you, the committee will more than likely look at every team with a much more weight and importance on the back half of the season than the front half of the season. And as of right now, AJ, you asked this question, ESPN Bracketology has us as a six seed. We've talked about it. I think our new ceiling, AJ, most likely is going to be capped at a five seed just because of the non-conference performance that Kentucky put together through the, the string of the season. But I, I honestly think sitting at a six seed right now, AJ, maybe, just maybe, our floor would be a seven seed and we drop if we maybe lose that first you know, Friday game of the SEC tournament for us, AJ. But that brings everyone up to speed. Extremely important to, to, you know, put together this impressive resume late in the season. Still have some opportunities upcoming in the SEC tournament to maybe grab one or two more quad wins without even saying those two that are right on the border with Auburn and Michigan, AJ. But the last thing I'll say that that is really something to note that's not necessarily resume building, but something to keep our eyes on is you hinted at it in your breakdown, AJ. The Kentucky Wildcats were just able to find that that little you know separation before the half. It was close, but then they come out and, and they dominate in the second half, AJ. I don't know if you know this or if you would believe this, but the Kentucky Wildcats are 15-0 and after leading at the half, AJ. All of our losses have come when the Kentucky Wildcats are either tied or down at half. I think that's something worth noting. I know it's not resume, but it it is something to say, gosh, when the Kentucky Wildcats come out and play in that first half, they rarely, actually never this season, lose that grip and stranglehold on their opponents. So definitely worth noting, AJ. But that brings us up to speed. Now I think it is time to bring our listeners up to speed on the official SEC tournament bracket and all of the madness that is about to take place. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And uh, Wednesday night, we'll get the first round of the SEC tournament. Um, For anybody who doesn't know or hasn't seen the um, official bracket, um, two games on Wednesday night, the first round, Second round, there's two matchups already set, and then two matchups where one team is just awaiting the winners from the Wednesday night game. Quarterfinals will be on Friday. Excuse me, your top four seeds in Alabama, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Kentucky will be awaiting the winners from that second round Thursday games, um, and then the tournament will advance from there. Semifinals on Saturday, championship game on Sunday, Sam. So um, we'll start with the first round. Uh, first game of the SEC tournament is going to be played between the 13 seed Ole Miss Rebels and the um, 12 seed South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, listen, Ole Miss just fired their coach. South Carolina obviously has had a pretty disappointing season. Um, really, um, you know, neither of these teams are going to make the NCAA tournament. So one of them's just trying to go on a little Cinderella run here. I mean, South Carolina beat them at the beginning of uh, February on the road at Ole Miss. So 
you know, Sam, I, I you know, early game, probably going to be some shots missed and uh, winner's going to have to play Tennessee. So I, I don't really see either of these teams having to go much further than this first round game. I think the other matchup on Wednesday night, LSU and Georgia, I think that the winner of that game surprisingly could cause a little bit of trouble for their next round opponent. I mean, Sam, we've seen LSU. They have just completely nosedive the latter half of the season. Their only win in the last couple of months is a win against Vanderbilt on their own home court when Vanderbilt's playing as good as anybody in the conference. I don't know how they win that game, but I think for Georgia, you have you you have the two best players in this game, Terry Roberts, Cario Quendo. If those guys can show up and really play good basketball, I think Georgia can can walk away and win this game. We'll see. You never know in these conference tournaments. A team can get hot. They they get a win under their belt the first night, and maybe things start to click and they start to get rolling. Um, so those are the first two games on Wednesday night, Sam. Anything that you're looking forward to in these two games or just kind of let's see who wins these games and, and roll on to Thursday? Yeah, yeah, I, I really do think it's the latter of that statement, AJ. I mean, um, probably a couple of rock fights, but I, I totally agree with the, the sentiment that you know, one of these teams, you know, you win your first round matchup on Wednesday, you, you might spark something. We've seen it happen time in and time out, AJ, and it, it really, um, you know, puts feel in the fire for one of these teams to, to make, you know, a quick Cinderella run. I mean, uh, you have to have the respect of the mentality that all of these teams, AJ, are well outside the 68 field for the NCAA tournament. So they have legitimately nothing to lose all they can do is play themselves into the tournament by winning the sec tournament aj so you know you have to respect that and acknowledge that any one of these teams despite their performances for the entirety of the year has now been thrown out the window and it is a clean fresh slate for you to go out and do something special. So not necessarily something that is going to happen this year by any means, but definitely has the opportunity. If I had to pick one of those teams, AJ, I would probably say it is, it is Georgia. AJ, I I do think that they have an opportunity to maybe string together a couple of wins. Um, You know, eventually if they're able to, to grab two, then that means they're, they're coming up against the Kentucky Wildcats. So the road ends there for them, but um, that it, that is maybe the team that I'm keeping my mo- my eye most on from this first round matchup, AJ. Yeah. So when we move to Thursday, um, if it makes it easier when we get to this part of the podcast, pull up the bracket so you can see it. Um, but basically, the way uh, we'll start from the top of the bracket on Thursday night with the or Thursday with the nine eight matchup, and that's Mississippi State and Florida. Listen, I it, this is an intriguing matchup. I mean, Mississippi State is literally desperate for wins. They need more wins to get into the NCAA tournament. Right now, they are one of the last couple of teams out of the tournament. They need to play their way into the tournament this weekend, and so. There's a lot on the line for this team. And listen, Florida, they lost their best player in Colin Castleton. This team has absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, you saw the way they played Kentucky a few weeks ago. They're going to chuck up a ton of threes. They're going to get out and run in transition. 
this team is going to play loose and free, and they're, they're probably going to give Mississippi State all they can handle. I think Mississippi State's really going to have to show up and play a good basketball game to get away with the victory against the Florida Gators in this one. Um, but a, a matchup that should be really intriguing to get things going on Thursday when you move down uh, to the next game, Sam. This is that Tennessee matchup. They're waiting for the winner of Ole Miss, South Carolina. Um, do you think either Ole Miss or South Carolina, depending on who wins, has any chance of beating Tennessee in that game? You know, my first instinct, especially with Sakai Ziegler out for the remainder of the year, AJ, would be that, yeah, they, they maybe do. But, um, again, I, I think just what Tennessee has – they're going to now have the, the time and luxury on their side to adjust with life without Sakai Ziegler. I, I think that um, by then they will be ready to roll. They're, they're ready to make a statement uh, to end their, you know, season, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and yep. really prove to the, the selection committee that, look, we know we struggled late in the season, but look at our resume as a whole, look at it towards the end of the season with the injuries we had to fight through and try to, you know, string together a couple of wins in this SEC tournament and really solidify their place and not drop too far low in the, you know, selection committee's eyes. So realistically, you know, when I think of it in its entirety, no, I do think Tennessee take care of business regardless if it's South Carolina or Ole Miss. Yeah, Sam, and you bring up a really good point. I mean, for me personally, I am really intrigued to see how this team is going to play without Sakai Ziegler. I mean, very important part of their team and their success this season. He is now done with an ACL injury. So, I mean, regardless of wins or losses for them in this tournament, they need to figure out what's the rotation going to look like, who needs to step up to fill in in his absence as they go forward because they need to figure that out real quick before the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to have my eyes on watching them and, and trying to play without him and how, and how they go about it. Move down to the next game, which um, will be Thursday evening, Sam, another one that is already set in stone. And this may be the most important game potentially in this SEC tournament, and that is a matchup between the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Auburn Tigers, Sam, and both teams kind of struggling down here in the stretch of the season, Auburn more so than Arkansas, but Auburn is a team, Sam, they have to win. If they lose this game against Arkansas, they very much could find themselves out of the NCAA tournament. I think Arkansas has a little bit more wiggle room, but this is a game with massive implications, and it's going to be a brutal, brutal fight going on on Thursday evening in Nashville. I think this game, like I said, I think it has the most ramifications I think all eyes will be tuned into this game on Thursday night. Um, they're going to go at it, Sam. It's going to be a heavyweight fight, just throwing punches back and forth. And we're going to ha- we're going to see it, what this Auburn team is made of, and if Bruce Pearl can can pick his team up off the mat one more time and get them into the NCAA tournament, where where we know they can always be a threat. So I've got my eyes on that game. I can't wait. And anything you wanted to add about that game specifically, Sam, before we get to the last matchup for Thursday? Yeah, I mean, honestly, AJ, uh, it's probably my most intriguing matchup. I would say that Mississippi State-Florida game is extremely, uh, you know, 
important for as far as the ramifications go for the selection committee. Mississippi State, AJ, is currently considered the last four N. So one of the very last teams in the field of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, yeah, I'm they not don't, saying they don't win against loss. Florida. They could get out. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they're automatically out. You know, I don't get to, to make that decision, but you as a team never want to leave that up to chance and up to choice. So you would have to believe that they are going to come with everything they've got. And I think this matchup of an intent team with Arkansas and Auburn is similar. I mean, uh, both teams that, that would like to believe that they've put together a resume that is warranting a bid to the NCAA tournament. But, um, you know, look, it might not be enough. So, and, and at this point, AJ, if it is, they're really fighting for seeding purposes as most of this SEC tournament will do for everyone. But um, I, I, I just like the way that Arkansas matches up in this game, AJ, I think the size of their guards and the physicality that they play with plays to their favor. Um, you know, I, I look for Eric Musselman to to almost have a bounce back game himself, AJ, and, and really put on a, a coaching clinic, if you will. I know Bruce Plural is a highly respected coach in the NCAA. I just think that the weapons that Arkansas has is just going to be a little too much here, and I think they get a victory. So as we move on down to the last game on Thursday, this is going to be the sixth seed in Vanderbilt. They will get the winner of LSU in Georgia. Listen, Vandy's been playing some good basketball. Obviously, they lost Liam Robbins against Kentucky. I'm going to have to see how they continue to adjust with not having him because he is not expected to come back. Um, Listen, if, if LSU can find a way to beat Georgia... They just beat Vanderbilt not too long ago. So if they can get one win and get rolling, there's a possibility that they could beat Vanderbilt for a second time. But either way, whoever comes out of here, Sam, that is going who's going to ultimately end up playing Kentucky um, in the quarterfinals on Friday night. So regardless of who that is, I think the Kentucky Wild Wildcats will be ready and be prepared. So we'll move to the quarterfinals. We'll go back up to the top of the bracket. You have Alabama sitting there as the one seed. They are going to play the winner of the 8-9 matchup, the Mississippi State and Florida game. Listen, I think this really, to me, comes down to how much does Alabama care about winning this tournament? Because if they care, they're going to beat either Mississippi State or Florida. They're just too good. If they don't care and they allow one of these teams to come in and get hot early, they could find themselves packing and getting ready for the NCAA tournament. So I'm really just curious to see how much of an emphasis this team, Nate Oates, puts on this tournament. I think they're good enough to to win this tournament Obviously, they're the one seed. They're one of the best teams in the country. I'm just really intrigued to see how they approach this as a team and how important it is to them. And so I think you'll get your answer right away when they step on the court in the quarterfinals on Friday with Mississippi State or Florida. I think Mississippi State would pose a much bigger threat to the Alabama Crimson Tide than the Florida Gators. So I hope they win just for the sake of of having better games and, 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 and better teams in these games. But that's where Alabama sits right now. Missouri is kind of in this, this four seed right here. They'll get the winner of the Tennessee matchup with either Ole Miss or South Carolina. Tennessee, Missouri 
could be a hell of a game. I mean, Missouri, that could be another win to add to their resume. Tennessee, that could also be a nice win to get at this point of the season without your your point guard at this point. So it's going to start to get really interesting once you get to these quarterfinals games, Sam. Anything you wanted to touch on with those first two games before we head to the next two games? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with your perspective on Alabama, AJ. I mean, it, it really does uh, hinder on the fact uh, of the matter of how important they think this game is. I mean, as of right now, they, they sit as a projected one seed in the NCAA tournament as the number three, number one team overall in the field of play, AJ. But, you know, there, there's teams right on their heel. I mean, Houston is that next number one seed, and then you've got the two seeds with Arizona and, and Texas and Purdue, AJ, I'd say Purdue is, is right there contingent on how they do in the, the big 10 tournament. But I think this is most likely the game in the quarterfinals matchups that regardless as a coach, you go out there to absolutely win that game and, and keep your momentum and, and keep your energy going. Uh, I think that mentality of settling and saying, Hey, you know, it's not, a win or, or we're done type scenario might come into play in the semifinals or, or even obviously the championship, AJ. I think the quarterfinals is still that opportunity where every team needs to go in and say, we have to win this game. You know, th- this is a, a normal, let's go in and, and play our game and play it to the best of our ability. So I don't think that quite comes into play. Um, yeah, I totally agree. That Tennessee game, that, that would honestly be, uh, you know, one of the most intriguing matchups. Uh, of the SEC tournament, potentially. Um, you know, I, I love everything else with Kentucky, obviously, but um, b- both teams really trying to solidify their resume. So uh, I don't really necessarily have a winner there, truthfully. I think that could be a, a heck of a ball game. I think both have a ton to prove late in this stage of the year. So, um, you know, I, I definitely would be tuning into that one. Absolutely, Sam. And so then we'll move down to the bottom half of the bracket. You have Texas A&M sitting there as the two seed. They will get the winner of that Arkansas and Auburn game. So, you know, the winner is now rewarded with a tougher team to play. That's where things are really going to get interesting, Sam. Either Arkansas or Auburn is going to play a and I'm I'm just going to assume that Vanderbilt reaches, wins a game and reaches down to play Kentucky. If not okay, then they may get Georgia or LSU. Either way, you're going to get a team that's coming in to your game with two straight wins and, and ready to play you. So to me, this this quarterfinals, like you said on Friday, is really where things are going to start to get interesting. And then the semis and championship game, Sam, I mean, we can't really get into hypothetical matchups here, but just so everybody knows, I mean, I think we ran through it pretty pretty well so people can get a visual of it. But at the top of this bracket, the winner of the Alabama game, whether they play Florida or Mississippi State, will play the winner of the Missouri game, who's the four seed, so they could play either Tennessee, South Carolina, or Ole Miss. The winners of those two games would then be in the semifinals between each other. And then the bottom half of the bracket, obviously you have Arkansas and Auburn as the seven seed, so the winner will play A&M, and then that winner will go to the semis where they will play the winner of whoever plays Kentucky in the quarterfinals, and they'll go from there. So Sam, Kentucky's path is going to have to be either 
They'll play Vanderbilt, Georgia, or LSU in the first round, depending on who wins those games before them. They win their first game in the quarterfinals. They'll get either Arkansas, Auburn, or Texas A&M. And then in the finals, again, they could either get a Tennessee, a Florida, Mississippi State, Missouri, or an Alabama. So I would love to see Kentucky get to the finals and play Alabama. I want to see him play Alabama again this season. If it doesn't happen, so be it. Um, but Sam, again, this weekend is really for the Cats. Just continue to play some good basketball. Try to get guys healthy. I don't think there's any need to be putting guys out there in jeopardy like a C.J. Frederick unless he's a full go. Let's get these guys healthy and ready for the NCAA tournament. And if we can get them out there, let's get them out there. But let's be cautious and be and be safe, and let's go try to win this thing. I mean, off the heels of that Arkansas win, I feel like this team could thank doesn't matter who we're missing. We're going to show up this thing thinking that we can Absolutely. win this thing. So, Absolutely. Should be a really fun weekend of basketball sam there was just one other thing i did want to ask you before we get out of here because i saw a comment from john calipari and i just wanted to get your thoughts before we get out of here he made a suggestion about playing the conference tournament um before the conference season even started so, like, at the beginning of the season, the first thing you would do is play the SEC tournament. So I just wanted to get your initial takeaway or your initial thoughts on that um, hmm. idea. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's interesting. I, I think, uh, you know, that could kind of solidify early in the season who might be the front runner and the SEC, and then, and then I think, uh, you know, through the rest of the regular season, it's it's everyone's opportunity to try to catch up, if you will, and knock them off the throne. I, I think that's extremely interesting. Um, you know, when we, when we think of it at the end of the season, it, it's not like the NCAA selection committee even looks at that championship game and puts any weight to it. I mean, we've learned that you win or lose that game, AJ, all they care about is if you got there. Um, you know, the, the seating has been done. So I think it's intriguing to pull it to the beginning of the season and, and put a little more weight towards it by, you know, the beginning of the season. But, um, you know, I also love the fact that at the end of the year, you're getting the hopefully the best versions of every team you've had all year to, uh, you know, come together and unify yourselves as a collective unit. But at the same time, H.A., you could have scenarios like that are playing out now with, you know, teams having late season injuries and not quite having all the pieces. But um, I think it's intriguing. I, I would I would almost say that uh, we should keep it where it is, in my honest opinion. Um, I just love that it kind of gets your team in that state of bracket you know, win or go home, AJ, I, th I think it gets your team ready for what is about to transpire in the big dance. So that my, my opinion is keep it where it is. I, I love what he's saying, but I, I think you could almost do something like that uh, in a different atmosphere, AJ. I mean, there's, there's other uh, tournaments that transpire at the beginning of the season that are bracket like that, that are win or go home. So may, maybe we pull that into play and, just do it in a different manner, uh, whether that be inside the SEC only or, or outside. But I, I just honestly think the way we start the season with the Champions Classic, 
um, and then and cap it off with the SEC tournament. I, I don't think you mess with that at this point. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a really interesting uh, comment because this is something that I've thought about um, a lot in the past, to be honest with you. And I, to me, it makes perfect sense because, one – you play the conference tournament at the beginning of the season, then you go play your non-conference schedule, and then you regroup and come back and play your in-conference schedule. When the in-conference schedule is over, the team who is the number one seed who finished in first place of the conference through the actual season goes to the NCAA tournament because I don't I mean it's I know it's wild, but I also don't yeah. like the fact that a team in a mid-major conference could play amazing all season and then lose in the semifinals of their conference tournament. And now they don't get an at large bid when they just like were clearly the best team in their conference. And so, yeah, I think that adds a little like the winner of the conference. That's a long grueling conference season to go through. If you stand at the top of that, at the end of the season, you mm-hmm. should go to the NCAA tournament, in in my opinion. I hear you. Yeah, so no, I hear you. I think it'd be a cool way to get these teams. Like you play a little tournament at the beginning of the season, you go out, play your non-conference schedule, and you come back. So I I just thought that's always been like kind of a cool idea because, like you said, it's been kind of like some of these games don't actually matter at the end of the day, but they do matter to the players and the coaches and the fans and and. Right, all the tournaments they do at the beginning of the season, and then the conference tournament, so fans can travel to see the team and everything like that. Like, I don't think right. it actually go away. I just thought it, it was an interesting conversation to have, just because of no, the it's... fact that there's a lot more at play than I think you know, more than like the net, the the normal college basketball fan yeah. would know about, or not somebody who's just like fully in tune with this thing and actually knows what's going on and how some of these games could potentially be a little watered down or not mean as much when not everyone's playing for the same objective here at the, at the end of the season. But no, I, I totally hear you. I think that's extremely interesting. And um, at the same time, reassuring that despite Cal also offering that opportunity to pull to the beginning of the season, he still, the one that came out and said, you know, he, he's going to try to go out there and, and have his team ready to, to win this thing oh, yeah. for for oh, the yeah. fans that are going to be, you know, painting Nashville blue, oh. which is going to be extremely exciting, AJ. But he, he has every intention of winning this tournament, and that's exactly what I want to hear out of our head coach heading into the SEC play tournament. So um, extremely excited for the, the weekend to come down in Nashville, and uh, hopefully Kentucky can come out victorious and, and at least, you know, make some uh, some headway and get to the SEC championship game. Yes, absolutely. And so that's all for today. That'll about wrap things up. Went through Kentucky's big win at Arkansas over the weekend. Preview of the SEC tournament, Sam. I think the plan is now we'll regroup after the SEC tournament and the selection show and then me and Sam will get you out an episode kind of previewing Kentucky's path potentially to a Final Four in Houston. We'll go through some of the matchups, obviously their first-round matchup, who they could potentially play down the road. We'll have some fun with it. We'll break it all down, and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So we will be back next week 
Don't forget to go and check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us at AO Kentucky Pod. Me and Sam, you can find us on Twitter and interact with us there. Appreciate everybody listening tonight. Sam, I appreciate your time. Look forward to watching the Cats down in Nashville, gearing up for the NCAA tournament. It is March Madness. Let's have some fun. Have a good night, my friend, and go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.